0: Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically based, relationally driven, spirit led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Upside down kingdom living. This morning, we're going to talk about the seekable kingdom. If you're an English major, you know seekable is not a word. (laughs) Too bad. (laughs) Normally, what we do now is we stand and greet one another and pray the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But what I wanted to do is remind us that all last year, we looked at the kingdom of God. This year, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, what does it look like to live in the upside-down kingdom. What I wanted to remind us of is that when Jesus brings the Sermon on the Mount, he brought it to a very eclectic group of people. You see, Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25, tell us the following, knowing that the Sermon on the Mount begins in Matthew 5. Matthew 4, 23 through 25 is the end of chapter 4. Here's what the text says. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the? The gospel's all about the kingdom of God. And healing every disease and sickness among the people, news about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Decapolis, the 10 cities, the 10 Greek cities, which were way outside of Israel, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan. The region across the Jordan are where those creepy pagans live. And what the text teaches us is that this group of people had all kinds of people. There were many nations, many religions, Most of the people there were busted up and in huge trouble. Again, some were pagans, others were Jewish and deeply religious. Some were a long way from home, and others would just walk down the hill, hop in a boat, and go to Capernaum right there on the Galilee. But I want us to remember that the crowd that Jesus delivers his sermon to is a unique one. It had never been seen in Israel before. Again, it was filled with pagans and heathens and broken people, the sidelined, the herding, the religious, the Jews, the Gentiles, women and men, boys and girls. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds... When he looked at who was sitting there, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So the Sermon on the Mount was delivered to an eclectic, weird group of people. Now I want you to stand, turn, and greet the people around you. (laughs) Go ahead and do that. Fist bump, high five, hug, handshake. If you would remain standing, as we always do, because we are in a sermon series based on the Sermon on the Mount, we pray the Lord's Prayer together. You see, the Lord's Prayer sits at the epicenter in a literary structure of the Sermon on the Mount. The center of the Sermon on the Mount is this prayer. It's the kingdom prayer. It's the Lord's prayer. It's the Jesus prayer. Let's pray it together out loud. This then is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in Charlottesville as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. You may be seated. The kingdom of God is the seekable kingdom. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11 are the texts that we're going to look at this morning. Here Jesus is teaching an eclectic, broken If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Kingdom living is about asking, seeking, and knocking, but it is not natural to us. In Matthew 7, 7, what we're going to do is just walk through these few brief verses this morning. But in Matthew 7 7, here's what Jesus says ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. This morning, just by sheer happenstance, I did all three of these I was asking, seeking, and knocking. I did all three. Let me give you the context. I got up at 5 o'clock this morning. Do not be impressed. I only do that on the Sundays when I have to preach. Otherwise, just like you, I do not get up at 5. Got up at 5. Franny, my wife, is a morning person. And I remembered a conversation that her and I had last weekend. I was not here last weekend. Fram's family, after 30 years, had a family reunion. I call it the Mafia Got Together. (laughs) My wife is half Sicilian, half Sardinian, and we got... So the Mafia got together. While we were there, her brother Charlie, her oldest sibling, said to her something about these minerals that her and he and Fran take. So I asked her this morning, I said, Hey, Franny, what about those minerals that I call them Chaz, that Chaz mentioned when we were in Jersey last weekend? And she said, they are in the cupboard with the vitamins. So let me explain what happened. I asked, where are the minerals? I went to seek, meaning I moved, and I went to the cupboard and I opened the door. To which I declared, men, what do we always say? It's not here. (laughs) To which she said, yes, it is. Open your eyes and look. To which me, out of sheer humility, closed the door and went, eh, I'll get it later. You see, asking, seeking, knocking, having the door open. But what I want to explain to us carefully, because ask, seek, and knock, are Greek words. And the Greek words are really fascinating, and they have some commonalities ask in the greek this word for ask means to beg to call for to crave to desire in other words it's not hey hun where are those vitamins or minerals chaz not that at all it's like fran where are they i need them then seek seek means to search for to desire to require to demand to seek by inquiring, to investigate, to reach a binding terminal resolution, getting to the bottom of the matter. So seeking is more than just a flippant look in the cabinet. It's actually wanting to get to the bottom of the matter, knock. Knock means to beat a door with a stick to gain admittance. In other words, I'm going to stand here and pound on the door till it opens. You see, ask, seek, and knock all have in common an aggressive determination and a desire for the kingdom of God to be given, found, and opened up. Matthew 7, 8 goes on to say, For everyone who asks like that receives. The one who seeks like that is guaranteed to find. And to the one who knocks like that, the door will be opened. Interestingly enough, in Matthew 7, 8, we've read it three times now. Jesus says, for everyone who asks what happens, they receives. Everyone? Everyone, without exception, I have friends of mine who are part of City Church and I'm blessed to know them. They've shared their stories with me about asking, seeking, and knocking. One of them is a dear friend of mine and his story is about coming to the end of himself, pulling his car over in the pouring rain next to a ditch and crying out to God, And he's never been the same. Another friend of mine who calls City Church their home told me three weeks ago, very excitedly, that just a few years ago, she came to the end of herself. And for two years, she walked through her neighborhood. She had never really believed in God before. But for two years, there was a slow process of receiving, finding, and the door being opened. And it has revolutionized her life. One was a millisecond. The other was a process. Both of them were asking and seeking and knocking. They were desperate. I've watched here at City over the last two and a half decades as young people, like I was, barely 10 years old, where I'd been hearing about Jesus, my mother who had gone to actually what was a charismatic Catholic prayer meeting was touched by the Spirit. And she began to tell us boys that we were going to go to church with her. By the way, when you're raised on a farm and someone gives you an alternative to work, You just say yes. You don't even pray about it. You go, yep, I'll do that, whatever you want to do. Started going to church and heard about Jesus and walking across a mowed hayfield. I asked. I sought. I knocked. And I found. And my life has never been the same. I've watched here at City where preteen boys and girls just like me And people all the way up into their 90s who have asked, sought, knocked, and found. What I've noticed, though, is most of us do that when we come to the end of ourselves. When there's something in front of us that's bigger than we are, we have the the humility to ask. Ask. You know, what's interesting to note in Matthew 7, 8, again, we've read it repeatedly. You might even have it memorized by now. Jesus says, for everyone who asks what? Receives. That's the Greek word, lumbano. There are several Greek words for receive, but this one means to take hold of. It means to actively, actively lay hold of, to aggressively accept what is available, to take initiative. It emphasizes the assertiveness of the receiver. In other words, the asking, the seeking, and the knocking are aggressive, so is the taking. The receiving. It's the same Greek word that Jesus used earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, where he said, If someone takes you to court and sues you and takes lombano's your shirt, it's a taking aggressively, same word. So what we know is the seeking has that and the receiving has that. That's how the kingdom works. And then in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. You know, in Greek, the Greek word door isn't there. It literally says it. It's what it says ask, seek, knock, and it. Now, the English translators get nervous with that. So they put in door because knocking opens a, a door. But that's not what the Greek says. Jesus says, it will be open to you. To help us to understand it, the Sermon on the Mount was also preached in Luke, and it's there known as the Sermon on the Plain. Not the airplane, but on the flat level spot. And in Luke Luke picks up the same exact text that we see in Matthew seven eleven that says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Luke eleven thirteen 13 says this, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give? There it is. The kingdom is about God giving himself. His very person, the Spirit. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now the question becomes, why don't I ask? I've met a lot of people since I chose to follow Jesus that don't want to ask. Or they refuse to ask. Well, there are a lot of people that never want to ask for help. They want to appear as though they're big enough, strong enough, and have it all together. I hate to undermine your confidence, but we all know that ain't true. All of us know. And Jesus is pretty candid about the kingdom. The kingdom opens to people who desperately come and ask, and seek, and knock. It opens 100% of the time. And so, it's clear, if you don't want to ask, you don't have to. But the kingdom's not for you. Another reason why people don't ask is because they hate it when people ask them for stuff. I don't want anyone to ask me for anything so they feel like they're bothering God to ask. One of the biggest reasons why people don't ask is they don't understand how good God is. Do you notice how Jesus is fighting to help the crowd to understand that God is good and gives good gifts when people ask him? You see, the pagans serve gods that when you ask God for something, you never know what's coming your way. But this God gives good gifts, what's best for me and for you. Another reason why people don't ask is because they're so used to scarcity. They're so used to things being limited. Let me give you a church example of what I'm trying to share about. In my... Years, I came to Jesus around the age of 10 a little bit before, so for doing the math, that's 48 years I've been in church. And in those 48 years, I have been to a lot of what is known as church buffets. They're nicely known as potluck dinners. Some have been deeply blessed by the Lord, and others needed prayer, but I've been to a lot of them, <laughs> right? And so what the potluck is, as you know, people set out the dish they made and they'll put it out on a table. And if you come late to the party, the best stuff's gone. You ever notice that, right? So you show up, almost everything's gone, and the worst part is when you get to the dessert table. Because at the dessert table, if you've come late, there's a moral-ethical dilemma And here it is. You've experienced it just like me. You come up to this huge pan that was filled with the banana pudding, with those vanilla wafers on the top and the graham cracker crust and fresh bananas mixed in. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That banana dessert thing. You know what I? How many of you like that? How many of you don't like it? Y'all need prayer. The last set that (laughs) raised their hands. If you knew Jesus, you'd like this stuff because it's at every church, pot, every church potluck. Some saint of a woman or man made that. So anyway, you go up to it and you look at the pan, and it's about the size of a car hood. And when you look, there's one little piece left, and the spatula is sitting right next to it. And you look at it and you go, "Should I, or shouldn't I?" You know the moral dilemma. That's the only piece that's left. Some heathen just said, "Nope, never felt that in my life." I just and then you're there in line and you think, "Should I take I really want it." I want. "Oh, should I take it?" But there's the last piece. What would it look like if I take the and then some little kid comes up and goes, "Whoop, plops it on their plate." And you think, "You little twerp, I wanted that. Like I wanted, I truly wanted that." Kid, give me half of that. And then the kid's gone, right? You see that's what scarcity does. You really, really want something, but you're not going to take it because it's limited. Please understand, the kingdom of God is eternally unlimited. There is no scarcity, none whatsoever. And whoever comes and seeks and asks and knocks, the kingdom is big enough for you. It's big enough for you. And so, Jesus, in these brief verses, covers a lot of ground. He wants you to know that God is truly good. You may have been told otherwise, but he is good. It's interesting to note that Jesus is absolutely clear that anyone who asks. Now, picture, you're there on that hillside. There's this Jewish rabbi sitting at the top of the hill He's positioned himself so his voice will cascade down the hill and you hear him say in his kingdom, the kingdom of God, anyone and everyone who asks and seeks and knocks gets in and you think about your pagan religion. and That's not how it works. And you think, can it actually be true? Could it actually be where there's a kingdom that the entrance is about asking and seeking and knocking. Again, be reminded of Luke 11. What God gives when we open the door, or the door is opened, is himself. He gives of his spirit. As we put feet to our faith with this simple message, my question to you is, are you truly asking and seeking and knocking? As I thought about this in my own life, something I quickly became aware of, and it was through that little event that happened this morning with Fran. I asked, then I went to seek for it, then I knocked on the covered door. You see, there's a progression here. It begins by asking. Is this all there is to life? Will I always be the way I am? Is there something out there that could transform who I am? I feel broken. I feel like hope has exited stage left. The reality of it is the kingdom of this world always brings you there because it's limited it takes it doesn't give but the kingdom of God the upside down kingdom is different than that and so the entrance to the kingdom begins by asking and then the next step is to seek and then to knock there is a progression but know the confidence of this The kingdom of God is the seekable kingdom. Jesus had to teach that because that's not natural to us. But this one is seekable. Tonight here in this sanctuary at 6 o'clock, we're going to gather together. We talked about this on Pentecost Sunday. We had a class about this last week. We're going to be gathering together tonight at 6 to spend time in worship and in prayer. We're going to gather to ask and to seek and to knock because the Bible's very clear that God wants to give his spirit to anyone who would ask to fill us, to give us strength, to give us hope and purpose and transformation. Not only that, to empower us to be women and men that partner with God in the advancement of his kingdom. So I would encourage you to be here at six o'clock this evening. We're going to gather to ask, to seek, and to knock. As we close out this simple message, I'm going to ask that we would stand together. And as we stand into God's presence, I'd like for you to close your eyes and open your heart. Ask, seek, knock we're going to close out this simple message by praying the first bit of the Lord's prayer if you know it by heart just keep your eyes closed if you need to look you can if you're comfortable doing this kind of lift your hands up in front of you with your eyes closed it's a sign of humility and receptivity And then let's pray the Lord's Prayer. This then is how you should pray. Let's pray it out loud together. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in Charlottesville as it is in heaven. Amen.